You're listening to Overcome the Overwhelm for Special Needs Moms with Lauren Lowry. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. If you are new here, welcome to Overcome the Overwhelm for Special Needs Moms. I am Lauren Lowry. I am the host of this podcast, and I am a certified life coach for special needs moms. So we talk about all the things on this podcast, so I am glad to have you. (laughs) Now, we are getting back from Philadelphia. Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't even unpacked my suitcase yet. There's still still about half the stuff in there, (laughs) but that's okay because it's just, it's all the things, right? It was such a good trip. Oh, like it was one of those trips that just was good for my soul. It's exactly what I needed, which is weird because I think last week on the episode, uh, I recorded it before we left for Philadelphia and I I don't remember. I, I was having a lot of feelings of anxiety. I feel like I shared that on the podcast episode though. I don't remember if I included that or I edited it out. I can't remember. <laughs> but if I did, I was having a lot of anxiety about it. You know, I was really worried about what they were going to say about Leo's hips. So his hips are both dislocated at this point. And it's something that we knew was coming. It is something that I have kind of had in the back of my mind, been preparing for the decision of whether or not we will do surgery or not. And in Leo's case, not to go into too much detail, it's just you know, surgery could cause more harm than the, you know, what it prevents, the pain it will prevent in the future. So it's just kind of deciding what we're going to do uh, in the next six months or so. And it is just a lot of reminding myself that there is no wrong or right decision. There's just the decision that we make based on information that we have at this time. And I think that there's a lot of pressure as special needs moms, when we are faced with these big decisions to make the right decision, right? I have to make the right decision for what's best for my child. If I mess this up, then X, Y, and Z will happen. Something bad will happen in the future, right? But here's the deal. This is something I have to remind myself of all the time. There is no right decision. There's only the decision that you make. And you can only make a decision based on what you know in this moment. So, that is not today's podcast episode. That's just like a little little teaser for you, right? That's just a little mini, <laughs> mini topic right there. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to invite you guys to a free class that I am hosting. It is a free webinar. It is this Saturday. So if you are listening to this when it doesn't come out, then maybe just ignore this part. Hopefully I'll be having one soon for you too, but in the future. <laughs> But if you're listening to this in real time or the week it is coming out, then I would love to have you. It's going to be Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Central. So I know that, you know, it's a little early for the West Coast, but not so early for the East Coast. So we're just sticking with what works in the middle. (laughs) So it is going to be over how to get more done in less time, even as a busy special needs mom. Oh, it's so good, guys. I love it. This is going to be full of my best time management hacks, my best like how to be a productive special needs mom. But also, it's not all about productivity. It's about conserving your energy levels. It's about having enough 
energy to get things done too, guys. So we're going to be talking about all those things. And I'm going to go over how to tackle your to-do list and still have that energy left over, right? We're going to go over why this method that I am teaching works for even the busiest special needs moms because I know that quite a few of you guys have a lot of appointments. I mean, we're talking hours and hours every week. And we're also going to be talking about how to identify the best use of your time when it comes to helping your special needs child. So it's more about quality of how you spend your time versus quantity of tasks you get done. So that's my little teaser. It's going to be so good. So I will put the link in the show notes for this episode to register for that. So you have to, you know, register for me to know to be able to send you the link to join. So go register for that. Grab your spot. I'm super excited. It's nothing fancy, guys. You do not have to get dressed up. You do not have to have makeup on. You don't even have to have a camera on if you don't want to. I will have my camera on because it is my webinar, but (laughs) you can come in your pajamas and with your coffee. I will have my coffee or something in hand, not not alcoholic. That sounded like I was going to have alcohol there. I will not be drinking a mimosa at the webinar. I don't know. That sounds nice, though. (laughs) So today's episode, though, let's jump in because I'm going to get vulnerable. It's a hard word to say. I am going to get really really real on this episode because I don't talk a whole lot about what I am getting coached on or what I have gotten coached on. And, you know, I I mentioned things from, you know, little things here and there. Like I said earlier just in this episode that I was anxious about our trip and that was something I was working through. But as on a big scale, you know, on an overall scale, whenever it comes to coaching, coaches get coached too. And coaching is something that I was really unsure of. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Whenever I heard about life coaching, I was like, what the absolute hell is this junk life coach? Like, okay. And it's so funny. It's so funny to me to look back on that mentality and oh, how wrong I was. How different I think about life coaching. Obviously, I'm a life coach, right? But like, I had no idea. what a life coach did. I was thinking, you know, on Gilmore Girls, right? Paris had a life coach and it was just this insane. I'm like, yeah, only people like Paris on Gilmore Girls have life coaches. Oprah has a life coach, like whatever. But listen, real people have life coaches. Life coaches definitely have life coaches. And me, myself, I actually have two life coaches. I have a personal coach and I have a business coach and they both handle very different things, but in the same breath, they end up having a lot of overlap because what is going on in our life really affects business and vice versa. You know, what's going on in my business will affect my life. So it is interesting how often it's really the same. It's kind of similar things that we are end up coaching over, you know, from week to week. But I want to talk about in this episode, the top three lessons that I have gotten for my own personal coaching over the years. And it's just something that I would like to share with you guys because these are some of my biggest lessons, some of the biggest things that I have worked through personally with my coaches and some of the biggest shifts that I've gotten. So, and if you guys are unfamiliar, if you've never worked with a coach, if you were like me and you thought that coaches were just ridiculous concept, like just 
what the heck kind of, you know, woo-woo crap is this? <laughs> Here's a little, you know, little, let's just talk about what coaching is. <laughs> so a coach is someone who challenges you to be wrong. And they challenge you to kind of think differently. They challenge you to think about things in a new way or in a way that you've never thought of those things before. So in one single shift in your thoughts, it can literally change your entire life. I mean, look at that. Like, I used to think that life coaching was dumb and just something that, like, make-believe that maybe celebrities have, right? And that one little shift in my brain of, oh, no, life coaching is necessity for my mental health and my wellness. Literally a necessity, right? It's like, oh, if you have a heart disease, um, cardiologist is pretty necessary in your life, right? For me, um... I'm a special needs mom. A life coach is necessity in my life. That's just for how my brain works and what I need personally. That's what I need. <laughs> but that one little shift has changed my life so much. And this is just, that's a really kind of simple kind of surface level example there. But I want you to think about your dream life, like your ultimate dream life. Maybe it's having your dream job. Maybe it's making a certain amount of money, like a financial goal. Maybe it's living a certain lifestyle. Maybe you want to like own a homestead and raise chickens and you want to have the ability to live really slow and present life. Or maybe you want to own your own business. You want to have that control of your own time. You really want the ability to take your child to all their, their appointments and go to all the school parties and all of that and really be in control of your time and still have time for yourself. Or maybe it's that you want in this dream life, you want to have a healthier marriage where you feel supported and loved. Maybe you just want to live on a beach in Hawaii. I don't know. Whatever it is, whatever that dream life that you so desperately want, it is just one shift in your thoughts away. Literally. That sounds absolutely crazy, but it just starts with one single new thought. And when you have a coach and you're working with a life coach consistently, you have these shifts over and over and over. And they compound. They become entire belief systems. And when you change your belief systems, you change everything in your life. It touches every part of your life. It's just like how my personal coach and my business coach, what I coach on for my business ends up affecting my personal life because it touches everything right? There's so much overlap in where these beliefs affect us. So the number one lesson, and these are not, you know, number one, number two, number three, it's not ranked in priority. These are really just my top three, no specific order of these top three. <laughs> the first, like most important lesson, one of the top three most important lessons that I've learned from my coach is that our background thinking is what rules our lives. Yes. It is those thoughts and beliefs that we have that go unquestioned. They're kind of the subconscious, you know? They're the ones that are just going on in the background and they tend to be our default thinking. They're not necessarily sentences that we say out loud in our brains. I don't know if you have a voice in your head. I do. I hope everyone else on here does. But it's those ones that are just more like background, like you just, you're just not really aware of them usually. And whenever you remain unaware of those background thoughts and beliefs... You have no power over them. And they are just out there just literally controlling you. They are just affecting every way that we show up. And it results in 
lack of confidence, a lack of self-worth. It results in not reaching your goals. It results in not getting the life you want to live. It results in maybe missing out on your whole life, right? You only get one life. I definitely want to make the most of it. And I think that we kind of just end up going through the motions until we become really aware of things. It can be, you know, these subconscious thoughts can be so many different things. But for me personally, I'm going to kind of go over what I went through. It was a lot of really based in I'm not good enough. Which, you know, I think if someone was to ask me just point blank, oh, you know, do you, do you love yourself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love myself. I think I'm awesome. I would have answered that. This is pre-coaching. This is in the very early days of whenever I was getting coached. And it's something that probably had the biggest impact on me going forward. And I thought I had a lot of self-love and I thought I had a lot of self-worth and I thought highly of myself, but I was so wrong because deep down inside, my subconscious did not think I was good enough. I thought I wasn't smart enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm a procrastinator. I never get anything done, which that in turn means that I'm not as good as the people who don't procrastinate. I'm not as good as those people who don't sleep in. I'm not as good as the people who get up at 6 a.m. and get everything done. My self-worth was so closely tied to my achievements. And I didn't know any of this until I started digging in to why I thought it was necessary to do more and why I thought it was necessary to do the best quality work. It had to be great. And honestly, if I didn't think it was going to be perfect, I wouldn't put it out there. So that was work I did with my business coach. That was work that really ended up affecting me as a person really deep down, really healing some wounds that I didn't even know were there. And it started at a very young age, those wounds. You know, we talk about healing and we talk about, and I'm not going to go into like the trauma sense of this and everything like that. Like I had a great childhood. But as a child, (laughs) there are just certain things that affect you. And I was a very fast learner. I was a very bright child. I got good grades. I was praised highly for my intelligence. And for that, my lovely downstairs survival brain, your lizard brain, whatever you want to call it, decided that in order for me to be deserving of love, I had to produce. I had to be smart. I had to have the right answers. I never could fail. Failure meant love. And uncovering that belief right there was the key. I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to fail because it meant that I was not going to be loved. I was not going to be worthy of everyone around me. And Connection to people is one of the basic human needs. Our brains need that. It is a survival instinct. And a part of me on a very, very deep level really, truly believed that if I messed up, I was going to lose that safety. But working with my coach, you know, I discovered all of this. I discovered this really covered up story inside of me. And it took work. It took some serious work of a lot of different things. It wasn't hard work. It was, I mean, it was hard work. It was not difficult, right? It was hard, but it was simple. That's what I'm trying to say there. And it took a lot of rewiring how my brain perceived failure. And it took seeing failure as how I was going to learn, not 
that failure is a bad thing, right? I needed to change failure and to see it as a path to success, a path to success, not away from success, right? Because failure is how we learn. Failure is how we figure out what doesn't work. And it's just process of elimination, essentially, right? Well, that didn't work. What else can I try? And just that fear of that failure kept me from ever showing up in a lot of different things in my life. And uncovering these beliefs also showed me that I was lacking my own self-worth and that own self-love department. I was constantly seeking external approval and validation. I needed that from other people because I didn't have enough trust in my own self to get it from within. So I ended up living a life of people pleasing and lacking boundaries, letting people just stomp all over those boundaries and attempt to get that love and approval that I didn't have for myself. I didn't get it from myself. So I had to learn how to get it from me. I don't need it from other people because I can provide it. And that, oh gosh, it's freedom. That is my number. I will rank that one. That is probably the number one thing that I've ever gotten out of coaching. And it has literally changed everything about my life. So number two, top lesson that I have gotten from coaching is that busyness is not a badge of honor. I want you to think about how many people, especially moms, are always going on and on about how busy they are, right? And yeah, if we had someone follow us around as special needs parents, right? If we had someone follow us around for a day and add up the minutes we spent caring for our special needs child or caring for our families, it'd be a big chunk of time, right? I think we can all say, yeah, okay, that's probably agreeing. But when we wear that busyness as a badge of honor, We see it as something that proves how good of a mom we are because, oh, look how much I'm doing. I'm so busy. I am so just giving all of myself. I'm sacrificing my time for my child. And it's almost like we are doing that to show the world that we are a good mom, right? Does that sound a little bit? Maybe, maybe what's going on? And maybe not. Maybe that's just because something that I personally had to uncover for myself Um, (laughs) because also what I was using the busy badge for was it was an excuse. It provided an excuse as to why I wasn't getting certain things done, right? So, oh, why didn't you get this done, you know, or whatever. Like, I needed to get that done, but I I was just too busy to get to it. I was too busy. I actually was really doing a lot of harm in my life because I just let that be very factual. To me, it was just like a matter of fact. Like, yeah, I was too busy to get to that. So it didn't get done. It had nothing to do with busyness, guys. It was priorities. (laughs) It was that I wasn't making it a priorities. Our priorities are choice, right? Busyness is just a way of thinking. But our priorities, that's definitely a choice, right? So if something didn't get done, it wasn't because I was busy. It was because I chose to do something else. I chose, and maybe it was the right decision. Maybe it was the wrong decision. There are no right or wrong decisions. Back to the beginning there. But I was choosing something else as a higher importance. And it was something that I was letting time be something outside of my control, right? I was allowing that to really be just something that I was a victim to. And that 
it was just greatly affecting me. And I'm going to share an example here. So in one of my sessions, this was, again, with my business coach. Wow, I didn't think all these were from my business coach, but maybe they are. But again, I think I coached on all these things with both. But one of my sessions with my business coach, I was telling her how I just didn't have time to get things done because I'm a special needs mom. I have appointments to go to. This is back whenever we were fostering. Um, you know, our, our now daughter, we had a lot of court dates. Uh, she had appointments. She had therapy appointments. We just had so much extra stuff to do. And I was feeling very, very overwhelmed by all of it. Like it felt impossible to run a business. And at this time, I still had a full time job outside of coaching and also taking care of my kids. And I was stressed out. I was anxious. I was exhausted. I was just like done. And she said to me, my coach, she said, well, okay, Lauren, what would you tell one of your clients? Because this was like a beginning. Like I wanted to work with special needs parents, right? Like I was really starting out. I was certified by this point. She said, what would you tell one of your clients? And I replied, well, I would tell them that self-care is the most important thing and how I feel like a complete fraud because I'm not able to follow my own dang advice, right? <laughs> like, I felt so, like, just the worst person ever. I feel like an awful coach. Back to the no self-worth thing, right? All back to that. But here's the magical part. <laughs> here's the thing also, side note, coaches are not perfect, guys. We still have our own struggles that we have to work through too. We have a lot of extra tools, yes, but I want you guys to know that we're not perfect. But she told me something that is just like, mm, chef's kiss. And you guys may have heard this before. She told me that in order to speed up, I have to slow down. Mm. I think that's like a racing, I don't know, like, I don't know, is it racing? Maybe it was in a movie, who knows? But if I wanted to get more done, doing more was not the answer. Okay. So here, let me, let me explain this. And it sounds so counterintuitive, right? It's like, what, what is she talking about? But by being busy all of the time, I was actually slowing down my own productivity because I was exhausted. I felt like my brain was like just this mush, like I was running in mud. It was just constantly like a fog. I couldn't access thoughts. I couldn't problem solve. I couldn't write a clear sentence to save my life and was spending my time mad. I was spending more time on, you know, things like writing content and just writing emails, things like that were taking a lot longer because my brain wasn't working at high capacity. I was tired and I was complaining about how little time I had. And I mean, I was spending probably like three to four hours a week at least crying and complaining to my husband about how overwhelmed I was. Like literally, just like meltdowns. Total three to four hours a week spent in that, where I really could have just been resting. <laughs> Looking back, it's kind of funny. So now I literally put myself first. This was the biggest lesson from my business coach in self-care as a mom. Just so ironic right? I'm like, this is, it's funny. But I got one of the things that I try to help my clients with the most is from my business coach. So I put myself first. And what I mean by this, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That sounds great. But we can't do that. No, listen, I build exercise or going for a walk into my work day. It is literally number one priority. Because you know what? 
I have found that whenever I go for a hike, go for a little walk, go, go walk around our little section here, and I am able to get out, I get my heart rate up, it lowers my stress levels, right? It literally fills me with endorphins. It makes me think clearer. It makes me happy. It makes me have amazing ideas. It gets everything flowing. Like it literally gets my creativity just going. I know that whenever I'm in that state, that wonderful, brilliant brain state after a walk, if I'm in that state and I go to work, I'm going to get so much done and I'm going to feel energized by it. I'm not going to feel exhausted at the end of the day. I am going to feel energized by everything I got done. And it is an amazing feeling. So yeah, it took an hour out of my work day to go do that. But guess what? I saved probably three or four hours that day. Like literally, it is that big of a difference. And so what I want to say to you here is do what you can. If you can build it into your day, do it. Because it just, it really does make a difference whenever you were able to take care of yourself. And I can tell you, you know, that one small tweak in my thought process about how, oh, slow down in order to speed up. That meant taking time for myself in order to be able to give more to others is literally what that meant. And it was such a big difference in my personal life and business life. Yes. And the number three lesson of my top three lessons that I've learned from my own coaches is that my feelings are valid. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve the life that I expected for my child, right? I never wanted a child with disabilities. It's not something that you sit there as, you know, in your 20s, maybe a newlywed. It's not something that I sat there and thought, oh, yes, I hope my child has a life-limiting disease, a disorder that causes his brain to be so inflamed and calcified that he can't walk or even sit up or talk much. And yeah, that's not something that I exactly wanted, right? And it's something that I also would beat myself up for feeling, right? I would judge myself like, oh my God, how dare you think that? How dare you feel that way? It must mean you don't love your child, right? You can't feel that way. (laughs) Because here's the thing, what's not okay, this is what my coach taught me, what's not okay is judging myself for feeling a certain way. Because that doesn't make those feelings go away. Judging my thoughts about my son's disability did not make the sadness and the grief and the anger. It didn't make any of that go away. It just added feelings of shame on top of it, right? It just made me feel worse. It didn't help at all. What did help was working through it. Mm. What helped was feeling my emotions. And here's the thing, guys. I was a big time I emotions avoider, like emotions stuffer, like no, I was not going to allow that. I actually used to pride myself. (laughs) It's funny. I thought I was so good at managing my emotions. That's what I thought I was doing. Because if something happened, something really big, 
at work or school or whatever in my life, whenever I was around other people and in public, I was able to act like it did not phase me. I was able to just compartmentalize, just stuff it away and continue about my day with my customer service voice and everything was going to be great. Even though, you know, we just got held up by gunpoint 10 minutes ago. That didn't actually happen. But that's honestly how I would have moved forward. I used to work in a jewelry store, if that makes more sense. (laughs) But I was good at just pushing everything away and saying, nope, we're not going to feel that. (laughs) Which it came in handy, right? Until it didn't. Because what ended up happening, what I didn't realize was happening, is all of those emotions that I thought I was avoiding and just making them go away, no, they were just waiting for me. They were just waiting to boil up and come out in a different way at a different time. And it's not convenient, right? They would come out as like, almost like a huge like meltdown. Like it would just like anger, rage, things like that. And it's because I was not processing my emotions. It came out as burnout. Because all of that un processed stress in my life because I just tried to stuff it away with Oreos and ice cream and shopping. Oh, so much shopping. I just tried to do anything to feel better to not feel negative feelings. That all that stress just built up inside of me, stayed inside of me, stuck me in survival mode. I'm pretty sure I, I mean, if I wasn't burned out, I was on the edge of burnout. That's for sure. Right. And it just kept me in that fight, flight, or freeze, that low state of chronic fight, flight, or freeze, that low state, that chronic survival mode where everything was just exhausting. Everything was foggy. Remember, I was kind of talking about this earlier. Everything was just harder. I was anxious all the time. I felt overwhelmed. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't, like, process and problem solve. Really did affect my mental state big time. It's big part of it was because I was not allowing my emotions. And I grew up in the era of don't cry, suck it up. You'll be fine. Right? You don't allow emotions. You don't show other people that you're upset. It was almost improper. It was unpolite. Impolite. (laughs) It was not the thing to do, especially around people who you did not know or people who were not in your immediate family, even then in your immediate family, right? But it was not something we did. And I really internalized that and it affected all aspects of my life. Once again, goes back to the coaching because one, what affects one part of your life is going to affect more than just one part of your life. If it's a really deep seated belief and it's not really necessarily a belief on this one. It's just a belief that emotions are not okay. That it's not okay to feel a certain way. And whenever I started processing those emotions and I started allowing them instead of avoiding them, my biggest fear before doing this, whenever I was starting this work with my coach, was that I was going to get stuck in those emotions. I was going to never get out of the sadness. I was never going to get out of the grief. I was going to become depressed and just end up living in that place. I was so terrified of that. And that thought really kept me from processing through and feeling and going through it. But I'll never forget my coach told me. She's like, no. Feelings are like tunnels. I share this with all my clients as well. Feelings are like tunnels. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. 
And if you allow them, you don't judge yourself. You just literally feel it's just a cascade of hormones in your body, right? It's just a cascade of chemicals going through your body. I don't know if they're hormones. Probably. <laughs> I have to ask some of my doctor friends on that one. But it's just a cascade of chemicals going through your body. That's all it is, right? It started with a thought and it's just going through your body. And you just feel the literal physical sensations of that feeling, then you will move through the emotion rather than getting stuck in the tunnel. Because the thing I feared getting stuck in the emotion was the exact thing I was living. I was getting stuck in those emotions. Those emotions were stuck inside of me. And 30 years, you know, of avoiding emotions, there was a lot of stuck emotions gunked up inside of me, right? So that is why that is such a valuable lesson because I have learned how to allow those emotions. They don't get stuck. I've, I'll, I've learned almost how it's like how brushing your teeth, right? You have to brush your teeth in order to get all the gunk out. I process emotions. You just got to get all the gunk out. But also, I learned how to feel positive emotions fully too. My life is richer on both spectrums. Yes, I feel the negative emotions. I always was going to feel them anyways in some form or another the way I was doing the old way was not healthy. <laughs> this new way was a lot more effective, a lot more efficient, a lot less time spent in the negative, but also the positive emotions, the happiness, the joy, the just feelings that are good in life. I felt those stronger. I was able to be more present in those emotions, which is a really cool thing to do. Something I didn't realize I was missing in life. You never think, like, oh, yeah, I feel joy. No, but do you feel joy? Ah, it's such a good, it's such a good way to live. Oh, so I think that is the perfect note to end on, on that one. Just your, your feelings are valid. Your emotions, you have to allow them, okay? It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel. It is more than okay. You need to feel. But... Also, a coach can help you work through what is unnecessary stress that you may be having to feel too much too often, right? Like feelings of people-pleasing that's causing unnecessary stress and boundaries, right? So that's where coaching kind of untangles all of that for you. And that is what working with a coach over the years has done for me. So I hope that you guys got something out of my three top lessons, and I hope that they were able to help you. And if you are curious about coaching, you want to talk with me about what it's like to work with me as a coach, then reach out, okay? Go to my website, set up a free call with me. We will talk. It is absolutely free. It is just a time to answer your questions, to show you what it is like to be coached and help you make the right decision for you, right? Because it all goes back to what is best for you. I choose coaching because I know that coaching works for me. I know the changes I've had in my life from coaching. So it's just about seeing what are all your options and what is best for you. So, all right, guys, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Overcome the Overwhelm. If you have questions or would like more information, head on over to LowryLifeCoaching.com and I'll see you next week.